You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. All right. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Let me welcome us to episode 21 of Around the King's Table, where we aim to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. of Jesus. I'm Brian. And I'm George. And today, we want to continue our series, Love in Hard Places, uh, by talking about how to counsel someone who's experiencing what we might traditionally call depression. Mm. Uh, it feels like I'm having conversations with a growing number of people, George, who would describe themselves as depressed sure. or uh, prone maybe to seasons of depression mm-hmm. or encountering uh, an unparalleled multiplicity of people uh, in this particular state. And so in this episode, uh, we want to lean into this hard place in love. Uh, what can we say about depression? Uh, what must we understand about it? And what look might love take as we seek to help someone from darkness to light and from sorrow, spiritual sorrow, to a more sovereign brand Hmm. of joy in Christ. So here we go. Let's go. All right. George, uh, might it be, might it be rational for someone to experience depression to varying degrees? Why or why not? Mm, so first, we're going to have to say we're not very rational beings, us humans. We are we're reasonable, but maybe not rational. Okay. Um, but I would say, that, yeah, it's it's reasonable or rational to experience um, a feeling like you are not in control and don't know how things are going to turn out in a yeah. world marred by sin, right. marred by our own sin, marred marred by the sin of those around us. There's just times where it's going to seem overwhelming mm-hmm. unless we put our focus in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's totally yeah, the reason I asked the the question uh, to begin here is that i've I've been in some circles and had some conversations with folks who would say, I think uh, that the experience of depression is even an unchristian thing. Mm. And uh, that there really is no seem place to be a, a struggle when we start going to yeah Job, Christ, Paul, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. people who who certainly in ministry experienced it, and not mm-hmm. only that kind of viewed the experience of trouble of this kind of depressing. Right. How do I deal with ministry as a I've learned this thing in order to help me minister to other people. Yeah. So seeing it as actually something given to help us reach people who are actually dealing with that. Yes. And again, the the amazing, startling number of people in the Bible uh, who are righteous people mm-hmm. who are also uh, suffering, uh, enduring trials of various right. kinds, difficulties, even we might say spiritual depression at the very least, mm-hmm. because they're godly, because they're righteous, right. uh, I think kind of stands... Right. If we're not a little that. bit affected, even just a little bit affected by yeah. the sin around us, it, it starts to wonder like, do you, are you following God's, God's heart? Are you actually right. seeing what God is seeing? 
Yeah. I mean, Jesus is is the suffering servant. Right. That's one of his great titles, messianic titles, suffering mm-hmm. servant, man of sorrows, what a name, right, right. for the Son of God who came. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, we live in a broken world, a fallen world, and in this world, particularly for those who have new hearts, who have been redeemed, there are going to be aspects of it, experiences that we uh, experience in it that make us sorrowful, mm-hmm. and it can even cloud uh, our sight of of the grace sure. and the glory of God. Even just Christ. our limitedness, not even sin, but just yeah. our limitedness means we have false expectations, yeah. false hopes, things that are just, there's no justification for them. It's just who we are, who we were, you know, who we were raised as, what we expected our life to look like. And, and the situation just goes to the side, not even because of sin. And it can easily lead to anxiety, stress, depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's good. That's a good place to to think on too, is, is not just that it's rational in the sense that we live in a broken world, but that we ourselves are, are broken mm-hmm. and we maybe could have um, an expectation of what our life uh, would be like, what we want it to be like. And yet this is the life that God has given us. And we're missing the fact that if it's the life that God has given to us, it is actually the best life for mm-hmm. us. And uh, so even in that kind of sense, we can, it is rational that we might experience yeah. some kind of spiritual sorrowing. In yeah. Our, uh, and, our and even, and especially for believers as, as, as somebody yeah. actually comes to Christ and, and looks back and says, you know, my yeah. life could have been so different had I known Christ earlier. Yeah. Right. They can go the wrong route without and, yeah, and sure. become like, why, why did it have to go this way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, next question. Uh, is there is there a difference between clinical depression and spiritual depression? If so, what is the difference and how might they be approached differently or similarly? Mm. Okay. Um, for this, my mind kept keeps on going back to um, mere Christianity. Uh, C.S. Lewis is talking really not about depression so much. He's talking about... Um, the need for for psychological counseling in someone who is basically afraid to go to war. Weird example, but but basically he says that there's a distinction between you know sort of the makeup, the raw material, and then what we do, what our wills choose based on that raw material. And so you have this person who is scared to death because of something in the past that just yeah. will not allow them to to fight or to to, to defend in the way that they should. Um, and he says, you know, you can go to a psychologist to maybe get that fixed, mm-hmm. but there's still a heart problem, a will problem potential underneath there that you could fix all the raw material to where they're no longer afraid, but then they still look at the situation and go, well, it's not in my self-interest to respond in, in bravery or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. So there's this, this distinction between what our wills have for us and what our raw material. And so that's where the distinction I would largely place it. Somebody who has a, a clinical depression there's going to be some element of uh, they they need some some chemical balance or or help in that regard mm-hmm. um and that's not going to be necessarily in all cases so the clinical side might have this physical element inside of it i think underlying it all of it they'll deal with spiritual depression yeah, because the, the real thing here is going on is <clears throat> depression is about how you respond to your situation. So you can fix all the situation and circumstances or mm. try to, but that could just uncover or hide heart issues that are still present that are generating fruit. That's unhelpful. Um, that yeah. is not, uh, 
in keeping with who Christ is making us into. So we can too quickly go to medicine to solve a problem that at root is heart still. Now yeah. we may be able to fix it with medicine. We may yeah. be able to, to, to settle it or round off the, you know, sharpen it, grind off the, the yeah. sharp edges, but we may still end up having that heart problem underneath that we haven't addressed if we go completely clinical route every single time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we just want to say here, I think that we are whole beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are an, an interconnected uh, whole. You know, yep. we are not just uh, body or just soul or whatever these right. things may be. These things are connected. The one thing that helps us to realize again is that there is the potential for clinical depression. Sure. Uh, that is not necessarily having m- much of anything to do with the state of our souls. Uh, or, or our apprehension of the the truths of the God, the glorious truths of the gospel, but mm-hmm. it is there is something in our brains, like our physical bodies, uh, and so I think at that level, like you said, uh, there is there is something to consider there uh, that is beyond just the soul care aspect of of these kinds of things. Yeah, not understanding that can lead people who are yes. actually in need of some yeah. some physical aid. Um, won't do it because they, they actually yep. are, are kind of succumbing to this idea that actually deepens their depression yep. that I should be able to overcome this with just prayer or with people around me or you know, whatever. And, and they struggle with that mm. actually, you know, furthering the depression when there are helps that God has put in our path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, it also seems like you may be, someone may be experiencing what is really more, more spiritual, spiritual. depression, mm-hmm. but because there hasn't been a whole lot of, discipleship and and understanding and teaching on on the soul care side of things they so they just quickly run to mm. well something's clinically wrong with me sure you know and they go to maybe it's the more medicinal route uh, when really the issue is not so much with their their minds it's not so much with their their brains and the, and the chemical right. makeup and all this kind of stuff it actually is more of an issue of their heart and so yeah, we're having to do the, that hard work of trying to discern like what actually is the cause of the the sorrowing in their in their life. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, trying to so, deal with side effects rather than deal with the root cause can often be the, the thing there. Yeah, right. So okay, for the rest of our time, I really want to focus on spiritual depression. Okay, um, I think that is where, again, pastorally at least we probably can speak to with mm-hmm. a, a greater sense of confidence and these sure. kinds of things. So in terms of spiritual depression, uh, can you give some starting points in attempting to offer what we call soul care or soul counsel? Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe on a related note, can you help us understand what maybe what's first meant by soul care, what's meant by soul care and, and where we might find a foundation for that kind of care in the Bible? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's a big, there's a couple, I mean, there's, there's a couple different things that come out and and these apply, maybe some of the soul care ones, especially apply beyond just depression. Um, I think a great starting place for soul care is just looking at something like a Jeremiah 17, kind of seeing the whole idea of hearts generating fruit and our circumstances and how that affects it, both good and bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I think soul care has to start there. Um, is it within, Proverbs too that says out of the out of the overflow mm-hmm. of the abundance of the heart, heart. the life? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's got to be a, the starting place. Otherwise, we we are constantly just bandaging. We're we're looking to you know yeah. get the moral center right, but not really deal with hearts that are sort of off on their own on a tangent, not following Christ, not not running. They're they're basically <laughs> idol worshiping right. in a, in a way. Um, 
So starting there, but uh, passages that really speak to then who we are supposed to be as as people who come alongside people who are hurting, yeah. uh, dealing with soul care. Um, all the one another's. All the, all the one another's. Yeah. Uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 17 really stood out to me as I was yeah, looking yeah. at it and to the point where, do you mind if I read it? Go ahead. Yeah. yeah so, you know, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, yeah. meekness, patience. He goes on, you know, uh, above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching. And that's where it really starts getting to the next level of um, it's not just care. It's not just loving one another and being kind to one another and generating peace. But it is really speaking the word into each other's lives, singing it, speaking it, and not just like an amorphous word, but really targeting in on how the gospel applies to our lives and really then shapes our heart and then its responses in fruit. Um, That's why that passage particularly sticks out to me. It's not Mm -hmm. deliberate, do it this way, but it is. These are the characteristics that are going to make up those, that, that people who themselves is building one another up. Yeah, and what's interesting there too is that he's talking to to the body of Christ. He's not just talking to, to ministers, um, you know, licensed biblical exactly, counselors or something exactly. like that. But we are we are called pastorally to be equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Some aspect of that work of ministry mm-hmm. is that we would be having we would be a community of soul caretakers. Mm-hmm. And that we would be equipped to give the kind of intensive discipleship that a, the, the soul that is sorrowing, that is experiencing spiritual depression, mm-hmm. would, would need. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's good, brother. So that's the, the soul care. I, so then stepping into the, then how do we you know, kind of more target in on spiritual depression? How we kind of, yep. the, the, the starting point is going to be basically leading people to see God's word actually speaking into that situation. Yes. So focus on on the word. Um, a focus on prayer, um, not treating it as just a, a thing we do over here when we're being spiritual, but a thing that actually is meant to deal with depression, anxiety, stress, and how we relate to God and others. Yeah. Um, pointing people to God's people. Um, not it, it's not meant that we're just going to be right on our own and you know kind of often I'm now f- yeah. happy, good self esteem, and that's not the goal apart from God's people. Yeah. Um, so bringing them back into God's people in a real way, often anxiety, stress, depression are going to be associated with sort of a distancing. So yeah. bringing them back in is going to be crucial to dealing with spiritual depression, mm-hmm. at least making it manageable. Yeah. Um, and then finally, like pointing to opportunities to serve, and that's not like. I'm going to get you, you know, on children's ministry on a regular, but this is finding real tangible ways for you to interact with people and make it, 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 it becomes no longer just about I'm dealing with this issue, but I'm equipped by God to then actually go and serve other people. Um, and maybe that looks like following, you know, after you deal with depression, maybe then you pour into other people and that brings in the whole, um, What's the passage? Second Corinthians one three through eleven. The whole you, you deal. You've been given trouble and allowed to work through trouble so that you can then comfort other people. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think that's all. That's all good, um, helpful. Uh, I think at the end of the day, we want to. The goal for the counselor in this situation is to get that particular soul close to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a book um, has some sacramental kinds of things about it, but uh, the, the the brother <laughs> the brother is Lutheran, 
Uh, Harold okay. Sinkbile, I think, is his last name. The, the book's okay. called um, uh, the, the Care of Souls. And it's a manual for this kind of thing, pastoral yep. soul care. Uh, but one of the things in reading that that uh, really stuck out to me is he talks about really at the end of the day, what I'm trying to do is get people close to Jesus again, mm-hmm. is to bring them to Christ and Christ to them. So there's a meeting there. Proximity to Jesus is is the cure of souls. Sure. <laughs> and so that's what he's ultimately trying to to get at. And so and I think all the things that you mentioned there, and again, it looks like in the context of a local church, right? Right. I think that's exactly what it's doing. It is is bringing you into a uh, a proximity to Christ, proximity to Christ's body, uh, to serving the body of Christ, and all these kinds of things. But there is nearness to Jesus and all of that. And and ultimately, again, I think the 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 great the balm of Gilead, right? The the mm-hmm. great medicine for the soul is the gospel. Right. So. I think when we're talking about starting points and attempting to to offer soul care and counsel for for spiritual depression, um, all the things you mentioned, and then again proximity to Christ, and and a lot of times there's gospel, what we call gospel amnesia, mm-hmm. and we just and someone they just need to have the gospel preached yeah. to them. That's that Jerry again. Bridges preach mm-hmm. the gospel to ourselves, to even, ourselves. but yeah, that that constant, it's it's yeah. It still informs us. It doesn't end when we mm-hmm. come to Christ or he draws us in. It, it continues to be something that empowers our walk. Yeah. Okay. So so let's continue on here on the, the track of spiritual depression. Okay. Uh, I want to do an exercise. Oh, fun. Yes. Homework. So uh, I, I'm going to name a book or a character of the Bible and just give a very brief snapshot of the situation and the quote unquote solution. Or what the text contributes to the counsel of those who may find themselves in the throes of spiritual depression. Okay. So here we go. Uh, Job. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> Job. So Right into the uh, deep end. Yeah. So not his sin, not even necessarily other people's sin, yeah. simply God's commendation of him and allowing him to kind of work through the fact that he's a limited being. Um, yeah. Every accusation brought against him, other than by God, is wrong. But he still has to face the consequences of it. Yeah. And so dealing with that and understanding that, you know, it's not always about, you know, I did something wrong. I need to be punished. Yeah. Sometimes suffering is is suffering and God yeah. still can use it. We're limited. He's sovereign. So yeah. maybe that's a quick. Yeah. Such a good point to make there. I think a lot of times when you have spiritual depression, uh, the the, the the soul seems to be dealing with spiritual guilt mm, mm-hmm. or they they think i'm 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 going through this dark season of my life because i have sinned in some way and the whole book of job go countless other places in the bible but job especially says no that's not necessarily the case right it might be the case that might have something might be. to be worried it's about certainly we're a complicating factor later but we're going to talk yeah. about psalm 32 here in just a second but mm-hmm. like in Job's case, he was a righteous man, and and the suffering that brought on so much of his lamentation, his grief, his his brokenness, all this kind of stuff, the depression, the the the, the situation that brought that on was God saying, "Hey, adversary, hey, Satan, have you thought about Job? <laughs> Here's a righteous man. There's no one. I have no. He's mine, and yeah. I have no one like him in all the earth. Right. Let's see what what happens here. Yeah. Yeah. So." Uh, the thing I would add there with Job is just that I think we see at the end of the day, and that's what I want, would want to say to someone who is going through mm-hmm. depression, is that God's grace and his purpose 
goes deeper than our deepest suffering mm-hmm. and sorrow. Outside of Jesus, I don't know of anyone in the history of the world who suffered more than Job. Yeah. So Job is an example to us of someone who goes as deep, I think, as possible, humanly speaking, into the throes of darkness. Mm. You just almost utter darkness. And yet, it doesn't end there. Right? There, There's still a hand, an omnipotent mm-hmm loving hand underneath him that carries him all the way through, even invisibly, inconspicuously, but he's there mm-hmm. and brings him out the other side. Yeah. And it ultimately gives glory to God and all these kinds of things. So I'd want to say that from Job. How about Elijah? Mm, Elijah is someone who has seen really God doing really, really great things, um, <clears throat> but thinks he's all alone. Um, he doesn't have the full picture that God has. He thinks, you know, I'm, I'm all that's left. Yeah. Not just that God is, is distant, but that there, there are no, there's nobody else. Left. Right, right, right. right. He's, he's all on his own. <laughs> there's yes. no, there's no church. There's no, and God right. basically yep. encouraging him. You don't know, Yeah. but I do know. And I've set aside people who will, you know, be pleasing to me, who I will make pleasing to myself. Yep. You just have to be faithful as I call you. Yeah. Um, continue to speak my word, basically. Yeah. Get back into the game. Get get back to where yeah. you can serve me uh, faithfully. Yes. But I'm taking care of it. Yes. It seems that one of the characteristics of spiritual depression is that the particular soul thinks or or, or, or takes on the attribute of omniscience. Mm-hmm. I, I know everything that there is to know. Yeah. Right we, we lose sight of our limitedness. It's yes. like most yeah. of the time we actually yeah, have a keen right. awareness of our limitedness. They're just things we don't do. Yep. Right? But we get the depression boxes us in. Yeah. Even in Job, remember in the latter chapters, God is saying to Job, hey, you need to lift your eyes up, look mm-hmm. up, look around you, consider this, consider this. And he takes him basically all over the world of creation and says, right. you need to get outside of your little box of, of sorrow and suffering here and see everything else that's going on. That lift so up your more. eyes, get outside of yourself, right, yeah. in a sense. And same thing here with Elijah, just like God comes to him in a, in a, in a whisper, right? And, and he's like, Elijah, yeah. you don't know everything. Right. I've, I've, I'm, I'm in control. I'm God. I'm omniscient. And I would want to say then to the, to the, to the soul that is, is going through depression there, like same thing, same thing here. You think you might think that, you know, everything that's going on, everything, all the, the whole entire situation or what mm-hmm. might come of all these things. And yet yeah. God has grace stored up that you just don't know about right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And so believe him, you know, and continue to trust uh, that he has your good in, in mind. Mm-hmm. Psalm 32. Psalm 32. So uh, I, this is David. Yep. Yeah. Real sin. Yep. And, and dealing with that. So, and not just other, Sorry other for my people's stuffiness, sins. by the way. Oh, no, you're good. I have a cold, everybody out it's, there in okay. podcast land. But yeah, it's just basically knowing that uh, part of dealing with depression, especially when it comes from our own sin, is actually repenting and experiencing God's forgiveness in mm-hmm. that. Um, yes, it's not a 12 step program kind of thing. It's not that I have to go around to everybody and t- but experiencing actual forgiveness is, is crucial to dealing with spiritual depression, especially yes. when it deals with our sin. Yeah. So this is what I was saying earlier, spiritual depression, sorrow, hardship, trial, these kinds of things, they don't necessarily mean that you have sinned. Right. But 
It, it can be. It, it may be an indicator it, that it there certainly is can be a complicating factor. A complicating factor. And for David here, he has he has withheld his sin mm-hmm. so far. We again, humanly speaking, from God. Right. And he just needs to confess that sin. He talks about how, and again, we, we're talking about the whole the whole person, right? The connection of all these things. He's got a spiritual matter going on, but the way he talks about it is, it, it's dried up my bones mm-hmm. and all these kinds of. He, he is physically. It's taken all the pleasure yes, out of life. Yeah, the, he, he is he is uh, physically suffering because of his spiritual reality mm-hmm. in his life. And when he confesses that sin to God, what does he say? Everything gets got better, <laughs> so I think that's something that we Everything want to we want to say here from Psalm thirty two is that confession of sin. If there is sin to confess, mm-hmm. confession of sin is medicinal, sure, for the sorrowing soul. Yep. All right, Psalm forty two and forty three. All right, I have, love these. By the way, if you are experiencing something like this. Just go spend some time in Psalm 42 and 43. Mm-hmm. Anyway, your thoughts on... Yeah, I mean, you can just hear <laughs> David's words, you know, why is my soul downcast within me? He's experienced God's benefits, his his hand, his you know, his promises, mm-hmm. but his soul is downcast in the face of adversaries. Yes. And these things like stacked up against us. And we may not like to talk about in our modern culture having enemies or adversaries, but we can certainly have... All of the world stacked up against us, a job, a boss, the to-do list, the house that's falling apart, the stress of ministry, the stress of you know just family life, the stress of voluntary organizations we take on. And that all builds up yep. to where we lose sight of God's actual calling in the midst of it. And we're just overwhelmed by the adversaries, basically. All these things arrayed against us. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> the thing I love about these two psalms for for myself is uh, that going to God in the assembly—that's mm-hmm. the thing that David. It seems he is separated from the assembly of God's people. He's reminiscing yep. on how he used to used lead to them lead in the throng yep. to to go worship God, and so just the the importance of the gathering of God's people to the spiritual health. Mm-hmm. of God's people that that is where you go God has placed his blessing upon that assembly that his blessing upon that gathering and again that it's not a, it's not a some that's not a fix all but it is a huge component mm-hmm. to recovering joy that we may have lost right and uh so I just love this um he comes here again it's in this assembly and he he says, Psalm 43, 3 and 4, send out your light and your truth. Again, this is in the context of corporate mm-hmm. worship. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. There it is. You'll find him. Mm-hmm. And I will praise you with a liar, O God. My God, and then of course he he does the the Martin Lloyd Jones thing, and he preaches to himself. You know, right. he says, "Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God." Yeah. So, a great passage. A little bit of warning against the whole: if I just got away by myself and yes. took a vacation, it'll all be better. And then we come back. Perhaps the last thing that you need to do when you are suffering from spiritual depression is to isolate, isolate yourself, yourself further mm-hmm. from the gathering of God's people. Yeah, build up that stress, build up that pressure. Yep. 
it, it, it doesn't get, you don't get rid of it, right? You come yes. back that much more a slave to all that's on a, all your circumstances. Yes. Yeah. All right, Jeremiah Lamentations. We'll move Gosh. swiftly through it. Jeremiah, of course, is called the, the weeping, weeping prophet. prophet. Yeah. And you get Lamentations. You ever read Lamentations, you will understand why it's called Lamentations. Yeah. But this one really strikes me as, you know, Jeremiah is dealing with a whole nation's sin. Um, his own, not, not necessarily active participation in that sin, but his yeah. association with that people and God's calling him into being this representative I mean, he is the classic definition of a priest, somebody who basically stands as a representative of the nation back yeah. to God. Yeah. And he's going to suffer for it because these people are obstinate. They're not listening. He's told up in front. They're not going to listen, but God has still called him. And so especially as it deals with, you know, as we have spiritual leaders and, and whatnot yeah. who have to deal with depression, seeing people, you know, not respond well to discipleship, not respond well to exhortation and correction mm -hmm. um, this can be a really important one for for ministers especially to to pay attention to how to be faithful and deal with depression when we yeah. have a hard slog yeah yeah so when i think of jeremiah and lamentations i run right to the heart of lamentations mm -hmm. amidst all of the uh just utter uh depravity going around the description of those things, uh -huh. you get this. Lamentation 3, beginning in verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. Uh -huh. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. That's spiritual depression. Yeah. Bitterness. Yeah. <clears throat> but, Response to yeah, bitterness. Right. And then he goes, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So in the midst of, this is, I mean, tremendous trial. Yeah. Hardship, awfulness. And he says, yeah. personal betrayal, yeah. everything. But I have hope, as I recall this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. What? <laughs> they are new every morning. Mm -hmm. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul in the midst of all that. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Mm -hmm. So just to really to be still and know that he is God in the midst of it. Yeah. So. And not a, not a trite hope. It'll all be better in the future, but yeah. a God is here. He's present. Yes. We have something. And he's in a covenant relationship for. with you. Mm -hmm. Right. So if God yeah. is for you, you know, yeah. this kind of thing, we're coming to that. Okay. <laughs> Paul, Paul, let's think about the apostle Paul. Here. Yeah. We already talked, touched on this one. Um, the whole second Corinthians, that whole one, yes. three through 11, but the whole idea of the troubles that I've experienced on my, you know, missionary travels yep. of, you know, working without pay of, you know, dealing with, you know, just people betraying me, yep. um, being shipwrecked, all these different things that I've gone through. All the things. The trouble has taught me comfort from God. And now I'm able to comfort yeah. other people who then comfort other people. So yes. there's a redemption to suffering, yes. including spiritual depression. Yeah. This is what I put. No despair is spoiled with God. Mm -hmm. There's a lesson in all of it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's discipleship in the despair. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. They're really good. All right. Jesus. 
Jesus okay. in Gethsemane. Yeah. If, if the man who knew no sin can <laughs> be weighed yeah. down by the mission before him, how can we <clears throat> expect not to experience similar? Um, yet we can still hope and we can still see that as Jesus looked forward to the fruit, kind of saw the seed that was sown and what it would mean and yeah. still move forward we can't do the same following his example and experiencing actually the grace from his cross. Yeah. We can, we can experience that. Yeah. I, we don't have time to go into the dynamics of, of right. Christ's depression, spiritual right. depression, but suffice it to say there was no one has ever experienced anything like it. Right. And we go to Hebrews and we say, and we, what do we say that he endured mm-hmm. that. Yep. He endured that. He endured the cross because he saw that there was a joy beyond it. Yep. And so he did all that to get a hold of that. Mm-hmm. And so even there, we're seeing, no matter how uh, deep and, and dark the depression may be, there's a joy on the other side of it in Christ right. for which we, we must endure it and we can endure it. There's, there is there is ultimately hope in it. And I think we need to hear too there, Christ absolutely identifies with the sorrowing soul. Absolutely. Again, man of sorrows, what a name, you know. And I love what Spurgeon, we've been reading in the residency here, mm-hmm. um, only a prayer meeting, and Spurgeon talks about how Jesus always carries the heaviest end of our crosses. Right. Yeah, I remember do you want to expound on that? Do you, do you, do you know <laughs> what he's he's trying to get at there? That Christ always carries the heaviest end of our crosses. Yeah, it's just that. Again, at the end of the day, we have all we may have all these sorrows, sufferings, and whatnot, but we're never going to have to bear the guilt and the wrath of God on account of our sins. Right, that's taken care it's of. Taken care of. So our suffering has a floor to it mm-hmm. and it never drops below heaven. Like that's the, like the Christian, the one who is in Christ is never going to not end up in heaven. Sure. So Christ at the end of the day, he, he has borne our sorrows, our guilt, our shame, the wrath of God that was justly against us. Mm-hmm. And he has paid it all away yeah. so that all we know, even in the midst of our depression is grace and mercy from God. Mm. That's it. And so he talks about, again, even when you're in the hardest battle, Christ is always at the front. You know, he's the one who's carrying the heaviest end of it. Weary. I'm gentle and lowly. Yeah. You get it. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Revelation, book of Revelation. Yeah. Any message Uh, there for? We don't always get to experience the vindication now. And, and yeah. when we go looking for it on our own terms, we, we don't. But God promises he will be victorious. Yes. There is vindication yep. for his people suffering. Yeah. I wrote down, no bitter providence is an end in itself. We, we always, we can, we can get there, right? Oh. We go, oh, this, this is it. Like, this is the end of it, you know. But, but every bitter providence ends up sweet in the end. For the believer, as he says in Revelation 21, all things will be made yeah. new. Yeah. yeah. So that's always at the end of everything for the Christian. Okay. End of game. End of exercise. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Any other tips 
especially couched in love for the counselor of someone Mm -hmm. who is experiencing spiritual depression. Yeah. Um, So the first thing that came to mind, don't make it about us. We have, we can have a tendency to latch on to an example simply because we don't know what to say and we try to relate. Um, But we end up going too far and it becomes about us and it only further isolates the person dealing with, spiritual depression. So while our own experience of walking with Christ and dealing with depression can be helpful, we have to be very, very cautious um, of what we do with it, how we use that example. We want to use it as briefly as possible to help the person understand that we've been there um, without taking it where we're not hearing them. And I guess that's the next thing, or or maybe even the place I should have started is a lot of this is just listening. Um, Yep. It, not jumping on, not being know, Job's friends, not being Job's friends, you know, not certainly not blaming. That was another thing I had yeah. down there is don't turn every, you know, don't try to turn over every rock for sin. Yeah. Um, don't try to tackle everything at once. You know, yep. there, you may see sin in the person's life, but it may have nothing to do with the spiritual depression. It, there might be some feeling like let's tackle that now. Yeah. And there, there's a, a sense of, you know, sometimes you have to deal with the, you do have to deal with the surface issues first. Sometimes you have to get some stasis yes. before you can dig deeper. And if you just jump all, on everything and try to fix everything at once, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, They're they, going to they, fight back. Their soul is going to fight back and yeah, you're yeah. not going to, you're not going to experience the, what you want to see there in yeah. that life. I think it's Zach S. Wine uh, in his book, Spurgeon's Sorrows who says that, you know, someone who is experiencing spiritual depression uh, may not be able to eat a full meal theologically, right. Right. but you, but they can maybe have some ice chips, yeah. you know, break them off some a little piece of ice that they can put in their mouth and just let it melt away. Mm-hmm. Don't start heavy. In other words, yeah. start really, really light. I think that's a, a, some good counsel there from yeah. S wine. Um, Invite other people into the process. Now this is, we got to be careful. There is one where we can share other people's. Yes what's going on in their life in a way that becomes just gossip or, or is not helpful. Right. But with that person's permission or permission. Yeah. yeah, Permission. That's the right word. Um, Inviting other people into the process, either to walk alongside or as agents of them helping serve, you know, basically inviting other people into this whole process of discipleship because ultimately counseling spiritual depression is just an intense form of discipleship. Ultimately Um, inviting people into that process who are in that local body, who can assist, who can be themselves agents of, of soul care is important. We don't have to do it all alone. We don't necessarily have all the skills within us just because maybe we're a pastor or just because we know the person or they came to us first. There does come a time sometimes where we're going to have to say, you know, I think based on what you're dealing with, you know, maybe the depression is based on marital conflict. I know somebody who's dealt with that, who's willing to sit down and speak with you. Would you, you know, want to sit down with them and, you know, just talk and and bear your soul on that subject that might have more fruit even for a short time than us spending weeks dealing with the, the root cause. Right. Yeah. So I think that's, that's really wise. I think it's wise. I think it's helpful for, for folks to, again, especially in an age of isolation to not be isolated anymore and mm-hmm. be able to vocalize, verbalize uh, the things that are going on in their hearts to other people, other right. human beings who, right. who Lord willing are saintly and will offer them the kind of biblical soul care uh, that they need. Uh, another thing is, again, we have to prioritize the gospel 
Uh, if you if you do yeah, nothing else, <laughs> yeah, just just prioritize the gospel, preach the gospel to them, help them to to try to to get a, a grip on the grace of of God in Christ. Another thing I think is that we obviously need to pray. I believe it was the Puritan Richard Sibbs who said, uh, you know, that we can speak comfort to people, but only the Holy Spirit can comfort people. Yeah, and so. We again, we're just admitting our own limitation as counselors uh, to be of any help apart from the working of God's Spirit. And in that same vein, I'd say directing people to Scripture. Maybe it should have been, but directing people to Scripture to yeah. find those solutions. Yep. It just has to be stressed. If we provide other practical solutions because we think that they're wise or helpful, but they kind of run counter to Scripture. We're not really helping that person ultimately. We may band-aid a problem temporarily, but it, it's probably not going to help. It may betray actually what is going on. Yeah. We provide a solution that seems like, oh, this will deal with the, the situation. Somebody dealing with anger, maybe not depression, but somebody dealing with anger, and you provide them a, a mechanism for, you know, when you're angry, don't lash out at this person, but do this instead. All they're do- doing is learning, I can still be angry, but I can reroute it. And you can, we can do the same kind of thing with depression, with anxiety, where we find avenues for unleashing it rather than actually dealing with the heart condition. Yeah. So. Yeah. A couple other things for me here are just finding things that are praiseworthy, mm-hmm. helping folks to see those things in the midst of depression. We tend to only see uh, things that are just further darken the situation. So right. finding things that are praiseworthy is really helpful. And then I think natural helps as well. What I mean by that is go outside today <laughs> here in Clemson, you know, the last week or so it's been between 60 and 70 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. Mm-hmm. The sun is shining. The birds are singing like put down your work, whatever, whatever it is, you know, take a walk, get outside, listen to the birds, feel the warmth of the sun, feel the, the, the coolness of the breeze, feel all mm-hmm. those things. And let God's revelation in nature have its effect, you know, upon your your mind, your your heart, Absolutely. your body. So again, it okay. goes back into that. Yeah. We're not just souls in body. Yes. We're we're the whole connected thing. package. Yep. That's right. Yep. All right. Very quickly here. Any other resources to which you uh, might point us? Sure. Of course, I'm going to list off a, a couple books. But um, right. So uh, what change looks like? So how people change. Uh, Timothy Lane. Timothy and Lane. Paul David yep. Tripp. Um, I just have found it a really, really helpful book. Um, yeah. <laughs> Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand is just Paul David Tripp, but a really good book and one that really focuses on the idea of not just ministers counseling, but discipling other people as a member of the body, your part in it and how to engage in it. Um, when we start talking specifically about like depression or especially clinical matters in, in counseling, um, this is a very, very short book and definitely doesn't go very deep, but Descriptions and Prescriptions by Michael Emlett. Great book on thinking through the, this distinction between you know, when does somebody actually need medicine or psychological care beyond what a minister could provide yeah. for soul care. Um, and then finally, this one mostly, of, the, of these four that I'm listing, the other three were really across the board. It didn't have to be a pastor. Right. As you start dealing with being a pastor in counseling, yeah. uh, Pierre and Reg, you have a book called yeah. Pastor and Counseling that's right. helpful. It's short, but it is really helpful on yeah. kind of giving you a process or giving you a way to think through what you're trying to do from initial onset into, you know, problem solved and, you know, moving somebody into then active service again. Yeah. 
Yep, that's good. Uh, there's one I'm going to forget the title exactly right now by Mark Vrogop that we I used uh, during our our series through Job, and uh, but I think it's called like deep deep lament, deep mercy, or deep okay. mercy, deep something. Or but Mark Vrogop, you can look that up. It's it's really 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 helpful uh, just on the justification of biblical lamentation and the mercy uh, that how the path that that yeah, kind of the path towards spiritual health and healing and from, from spiritual depression begins with real lamentation and grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was really helpful. Uh, I already mentioned Zach Eswine, his little book on, called Spurgeon's Sorrows. Very helpful. Pick that up. And then uh, a little bit, uh, you know, uh, maybe unexpected. A book, uh, Gentle and Lowly, uh-huh. uh, just because I think the whole idea, again, we've could continually mention this book for a variety of, of elements and aspects. And we but, have not been paid to, to right. That's right. <laughs> to advertise uh, for Dane, but uh, gentle and lowly and just this emphasis on in our, in our sorrow, in our sin uh, where we t- may tend to think Christ is being moved away from us coming is distancing himself from us to actually hear that. No, he's, he's coming nearer and nearer to us. Uh, that is why, I mean, he exists to love us in the midst of all these things. And so he does. So Gentle and Lowly is another one there for me. Any closing word of hope for those who are battling depression this moment? Yeah. We serve a big God who loves us. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, he's definitively dealt with our sin. Absolutely. He promises to care for us as we seek him. So, I mean, every painful circumstance, every bitter discipline is yeah. a tool in God's hand that we might become his glorious bride yeah. might be part of that. Yeah. Um, we're never alone. Uh, God surrounds us with his own care and he provides us a uh, people. So ultimately we serve a big God and he, yeah. he loves us. He cares for us. Yep. I'll just end with uh, Job here in the throes of his affliction. He says, for I know that my redeemer lives mm. and at the last he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, resurrection, hmm. whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Right. So really leading into Revelation 21 again, 21.7, I believe it is, mm-hmm. all things are going to be made yeah. new. Mm-hmm. And so there is always great hope for those who are suffering in this way. So anything else, brother? I think that's it. All right. Thanks. Yep.